0: G'day everyone, welcome to another episode of Footyology. We are coming to you live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. As I say, a very good evening to you, Mark Fine. G'day Rowan, great round of football, brilliant Sunday. It was a fantastic Sunday footy really. Those two showpiece games, I guess Collingwood West Coast, North Melbourne Sydney and then a third game over in the West that looked like it was one of the all-time shockers but actually ended up being... Pretty exciting in its own right, and some big ramifications for that as well, which we'll get to in due course. Uh, I reckon we should start the, this show now looking at the ladder. Everyone's going to be uh, looking at the ladder now as soon as the round finishes. Uh, so let's have a look at the big ramifications. And the I guess uh, the main ones out of last round to this round are Hawthorne, now out of the eight after that shock loss to Brisbane, Port Adelaide down from fourth uh, to fifth after their shock loss. Less of a shock, but a shock loss nonetheless in Perth to Fremantle. Um, what are the other major things there? I guess West Coast moving up to second spot, which uh, is huge for them because were they to stay there, that means home final. There was uh, certainly a bit of change going on, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, an opportunity for Collingwood to frank a position in the top four. Now they're back in the ruck. Essendon obviously had a game that everybody expected them to win. They did
0: against the Gold Coast, but no mistake made there. So they're within touching distance. and it's You'd ev- have to have long arms to touch it, I reckon. It's, well, it's a game in about t- uh,
1: 22%. Yeah, well, we've seen that teams are capable of dropping games. And even the Tigers, who we thought last week might have cleared out and made a bit of space for themselves, just, um, again, interstate, fluffed their lines and... Whilst I think they will finish top two, I'm sure they'll finish top two, there's um, no opportunity now for them to just take the foot off the pedal at any point. Maybe something they would have liked to have done towards the end of the season, maybe rest a couple of
0: their stars, I don't think they'll be able to do it. We, we've been saying for a number of weeks, Richmond is ahead of the pack, um, four losses now on the road, they may not have to play on the road during final, so that would be of some relief to them, but... Two questions. One, do we think the gap between the Tigers and the rest is narrower than it was? And what do we think the order of that chasing pack is now?
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because GWS, who for so much of the season have either disappointed or been playing catch-up football, have a great win. I mean, yeah, it was that spotless and Richmond might be more comfortable at home, certainly at the MCG, but you can't take anything away from the Giants, and they now become one of the serious chasers. Of course, West Coast put to bed the MCG hoodoo, and they do so with their forward line pretty operative, still darling, I guess, um, not 100%, but Kennedy looked really good, and, yeah, all of a sudden,
0: the chasing pack looks decidedly non-Victorian. All right, a couple of things uh, I want to just bit of housekeeping. Uh, firstly, is that monitor on? Are we blocking off the monitor, or can I we just move want to it?
1: Bring that side closer.
0: Okay, which way? This way. So okay.
1: the eagles come close to us, Colin
0: will go further away. How's that? Perfect. Okay, stop leaning over. Secondly, we're after your input, so any good questions on any of the games we run through, or anything for that matter. Leave a comment on the Facebook live page and we'll endeavour to do our best to answer it. Now, I could have pretended that wasn't right, but I thought we'd better off attending <laughs> to it now. These are the sort of technical issues we're overcoming on the run. I think we should get into it finally, our wrap-up of all nine games. We're ready to go, Mr Music? Yeah, We are ready to go. Let's get into the around. <laughs> So, look, seamless, seamless.
1: <laughs> Especially if you do your own editing.
0: All right. So, well, let's start with the, uh, the game with, I think, the most ramifications uh, for mine anyway. The MCG, one ten today. And a fantastic win for the Eagles. Final scores, 15-12, 102. Defeated Collingwood, 9-13, 67. Now, really interesting game for I thought in the first half it was probably only the Eagles straight kicking that kept them in at 8-1. Uh, The Pies had chances to get a decent break-up And and indeed they did have a decent break-up early on I think it was uh, 33-2 to to 0 at one stage But the Eagles worked their way into the game They lost Nick Natanui, so another mountain to overcome They did it, I thought they controlled the game in the second half I thought they were able to change the way they played They really started slowing down their ball movement Getting a lot of uncontested possession um, and I thought Kennedy and Darling in their first games back were both crucial for them. Lacrae played that smart forward game we know he can. Midfield, um, I thought they had a, a ripper in Redden. And two of the best defensive, individually best defensive games I've seen all year from McGovern and Hearn. They were outstanding. And I know a lot of the talk post-game is going to be about Natanui, what a huge blow it is. And I'm not denying that for a second. But I don't think that is a fatal blow to their chances. I think they've proved a lot today. And in that sense, uh, symbolically as well as logistically, it was a massive win.
1: Well, they're the only team that really played two Ruckman each week. Obviously, that opportunity now goes by the wayside with the injury to Natanui. But at least Scott Lysette takes over now, having played senior football for the bulk of the season. He's not coming in cold and he did a pretty good job in the second half. We know the Grundy is one of the real informed ruckmen in the competition. I cannot speak highly enough of Shannon Hearn. Now, look, <clears> Shannon <throat> Hearn, we know as a long-kicking, rebounding footballer. And once invested with the captaincy, uh, he has grown into the position of courageous, marking, intercepting, and selfless backman as well. So he's not a receiver. You know, you've got McGovern. I, I think he hit the nail on the head. As much as the return of Kennedy and Darling, as well as lacra was important, that rebound from the back line that we thought Collingwood might have had the eggs on with Howe and Langdon, really fell the way of the West Coast Eagles.
0: They've got, they've got other uh, players in this side that don't get the kudos they deserve. And to that end, and thanks for this question, Alex Paul would love your thoughts on Hutchings' role on sidebottom. I thought he was immense. Now, I, I forgot to look at what side bottom finished up with, but I'm pretty sure it was around the 20 mark. Far less influential than he has been. And Hutchings has essentially been a run-with player, but I reckon he's, he's starting to win more of his own ball. I thought he had some critical input in that last quarter. That was an incredibly important job, and he's, he's underrated for mine. As he's Redden, who's been terrific for the most of the season.
1: I wonder what Huxley's nickname is. You know, football clubs have sort of in-house nicknames. Hunchy? I reckon Filthy. <laughs> Why? So not well, Filthy? Well, not Filthy as in, as in a dirty player, but he just gets the job done and he gets it done in an unfashionable manner. He's a bit scruffy looking. He's He's got some rough edges, but boy, he's game, you know... Game is a pebble. He's a former saint, by the way. He started his career at St Kilda on the on the rookie list, and uh, they didn't think that he was fashionable. And he's really had to, reinv- not reinvent himself, but prove himself over and over. Because I thought a couple of years ago, he had nailed down that run with Roald pretty well. Mm. But because of a disappointing year last year, he seemed to be one of the first victims. And they, I feel, turned on him unfairly. And you point out that he played a good game. And I'll tell you what, another former Saint that I've often been critical of was excellent at key moments. Cripps, I thought, was, yeah, you know, there were times, and certainly there was a goal in that second quarter to Kennedy, which it was a brilliant piece of play, sort of a, a series of handballs that ended up with Kennedy on the goal line started because of a one-on-one with Cripps on the wing, yeah. where he put the afterburners on, backed
0: himself, and created the opening. It's probably isn't a great time to point out that every time I see Jamie Cripps, he reminds me of a star of the adult movie genre circa nineteen, late 1980s called Tom Byron. I shouldn't have said that, Look i like... with it. He's a dead ringer for him. <laughs> no, no, you, we'll just get on with it. I'm going to let you read out this question. And, okay. And a, who's it from?
1: It's from Mark Chapman. And is West Coast the Tigers' biggest threat? Look, you know what, I've got a, a close friend who's a, a keen Richmond supporter and has a very good eye for football. And he has marked West Coast as the biggest threat, but part of that huge threat he felt was, especially against Richmond, how dominant Nick he could be. Because we know that Nan Curvis as a, as, as a ruckman, is undersized and he's seen the opportunity that had been afforded to... Nat Nui to dominate. So without Nat Nui, it becomes harder. We we know that. There's no question, is there? No. But you believe that they can cover it.
0: Oh, no, it's and, not unassailable.
1: And look, any team with a power forward line, like West Coast,
0: can on their day be unbeatable. All right, quick word, because we've gone over time on this game, quick word on the pies. Now, there was a school of thought, the who have they played school of thought. I didn't subscribe to that because I reckon their footy had been impressive enough in its own right um, I don't know. I don't know how they feel about today because I, I I thought that their midfield for the best part was okay. Yes. They matched them statistically pretty reasonably. But they haven't ended up winning. Uh so I think we've seen the their forward setup has been a lot better this year. Mason Cox was obviously a big loss late withdrawal. Isn't that interesting that that it you, would be. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, that is in itself interesting. But you're talking about coming up against an A grade defence I just think they were found a little wanting, so they might want to revisit some of those forward structures, I reckon. Have they got much to worry about, in a couple of words? Uh, yeah, they do. I, I, as much as
1: that midfield did perform pretty well today, mm. you can't replace Trelaw. He's a, he's a great line breaker. And when you add the service that was being provided by Reed potentially up one end and Lyndon Dunn up the other end, I think it just becomes thin, and they were bustled out by that bigger forward line in the end. I thought Darcy Moore's return was good. Mm, it was all right. But did you feel they were undersized down back?
0: Yeah, but they always have been, really. I mean, uh, yeah, they, it may get them in the end. Yeah. All right, let's move on. It's enough on that game. An absolute cracker of a game. This definitely in the best four or five games of the season for mine, and it was North Melbourne-Sydney at Eddie Had Stadium. The Roos, they were seven points up with uh, about two and a half minutes left from memory. And the Swans, they did it again. That professionalism came to the fore in the last couple of minutes. Ended up running out winners 16-8, 104. Defeating the Ruse 15-8, 98. Outstanding game. Great individual performances. Ja- uh, Jack Zebel, five goals and was dangerous all day. Four goals to Ben Brown. Four goals to Mad Jack And for the Swans, Ronk, what a fine he's been. Five goals. Buddy, 300, including... 303, including his 900th. Um, I thought Heaney was really good when he had to be. Uh, I thought Sinclair was good in the ruck form up against Goldie. Uh, and also, we won't dwell on this, but a great visual image for AFL football. a Lear playing on Magic Door, And they fought a fantastic duel. It was terrific to see. Adam,
1: and amazing that Alir kicks the winning yeah.
0: goal. Yeah. What did you think of the game?
1: Well, i just have to say that Goldstein pounded Sinclair today. Um, it was a day different for Goldie because he rucked almost the entire day. They didn't want to use Mag Jack Dorr away from the forward line. He was so effective. Goldie had over 50 hitouts, and most of them were pretty effective. And I really thought in the last quarter that it was his ability to give North Melbourne first use of the ball that was going to get them over the line. Let's not forget that and Josh Kennedy went off with back spasms early in the game and never reappeared. Luke Parker came good in the last quarter, but up till three quarter time only had 11 touches. Mm. And they were really battling to find a midfield winner. And interestingly, James Brayshaw said something very interesting on the commentary, and he knows North Melbourne. And that is in tight from the centre clearances. No problems. North Melbourne are very good. Goldstein to Cunnington, uh, Higgins just in tight. They're good. Mm. He said as soon as the ball gets on the outside, that's their problem. Yeah, but not quick.
0: And that's what that's and that, that's what got them. Well, Hartung, from that point of view, they've really missed his pace because yep, yep. he was critical to Million. I'm just looking at the ramifications ladder-wise. It would have been a really handy win for the Roos because they would have been a, a game clear inside the eight. However, though they're outside the eight, you know they've. F- 4-5% out, they're still level on points for the 8th place side, so it's not a fatal wound, and I, I reckon they will have taken some confidence about being able to match it with the really good sides. Good uh, question from Rob Foran, or Foran. should Madge stay forward? Jeez, I don't know what, how to answer that really, because I, I thought he'd really started to show some stability in defence, but the last two weeks he's gone forward and been really effective. I reckon, I don't know how far off Jared Wade is. That's the key to it for me, because I really like Wade up there as a foil for Brown. Now, I'd, 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 I'd have defence as Dawes' first port of call, I think. I think
1: you've hit the nail on the head. When Wade
0: plays, Dawes has to play backwards yeah. of centre. But otherwise, why not play him forward? It's good to have that flexibility, though, isn't it? Important win for Sydney, too. You mentioned the obstacles during the course of that game. Obviously, losing Kennedy is a massive one, and Parker really lifted when he had to. There's been a school of thought over the last couple of weeks that they are a bit too, uh, not vanilla, but a bit too lacking in brilliance. You know, they don't have that sort of push over the cliff, if you like, which is like, that's a line of spinal tap, I think, when they want to turn the amp to 11 from 10. But today they look like a side that can play some exciting quick Attacking footy.
1: They do love Eddie Had, don't they? They do.
0: That's uh, 15 out of 17. They're very comfortable Hat. there. They yeah.
1: had a debutant, O'Reardon, who, who... did well. Yeah, he was... Uh, got a bit tired towards the end of the game, but he was very good. Uh, Lloyd is a big possession winner. Not the best user of the ball, but, gee, he grinds out a lot of possessions. Uh, Jones is there. So they've got a second draft of midfielders. Remember, no hannabury, <clears throat> no Kieran Jack. Mm. So they did pretty well with McVie. Josh... And McVeigh, and and effectively no Kennedy.
0: Yeah. Pretty good effort. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, one word. Can Sydney win the premiership? No. Uh, I'm saying yes. Doesn't mean I think they will, because I don't, but I think they can. Okay. Uh, North Melbourne, will they make the eight? Maybe. I think at this stage, that eighth spot is still, and I know Hawthorne people, be very perturbed by what happened in Launceston on Saturday, but I still think that eighth spot is going to end up being between North and Hawthorne and someone in there now is going to drop out. But isn't it
1: great for North that they're fighting right to the end of the year for that spot? Oh, fantastic. For their development and for what we
0: expected at the start of the no year. No one would have thought that would have been the case. All right, let's move on to game three. This was a big game too in terms of, um, I guess, last chance saloon for one of them and also a good test for the, the pace setter and particularly given... Three previous reversals on the road. Well, that became four. Not by a lot. That's two games up in Sydney. Uh, Richmond have lost to GWS now in two years by a kick. Final scores: 11-13, 79 GWS to Richmond, 10-17, 77. And uh, Castagna, the, the biggest defender there, I think five behinds for them. Yeah. What would you make of that game? Yeah,
1: you know Castagna had a chance late in the last quarter and hit the post and. Was it Shy Bolton who had <clears throat> yeah. the long-range shot? But all that being said, the right team won that game. Yeah, They had the answers. Toby Green was clearly underdone. He didn't cover anywhere near as much ground or with the vitality that we see him when he's fully fit. But he's a confident rooster, isn't he? And when he took that mark, 30 metres out, tight angle, waved away all the leads, you knew that he was going to go back and kick it. He's an important player. And he makes a big difference to that team. Remember, Cameron's still out for two more weeks or three more weeks and no patterns. Well,
0: the other thing, I think the key for GWS, as good as they've been over the last six weeks or so, is their run home. They've still got Port Adelaide away. I think that's next week. They've got Adelaide in Canberra. And I think they've got Sydney and Melbourne. In fact, I think they've got... Uh, there might even be another one in there. They've certainly got Sydney and Melbourne, I think, in the last two games. So of those contenders, they have the toughest run home. Uh, Ralph Mudge uh what about the Tigers not being able to win outside of Melbourne? Well, you know, there's a kick in it. So I don't know if you read too much into that. The other reversals, Port. The Port game, they didn't show you for a half. Came flying back. Didn't lose by a lot in the finish. Adelaide... Um, hang on, was it Adelaide? Yeah, Adelaide fixed them up and West Coast fixed them up in Perth. The thing about this is, they hang on to one and two, they're not going to have to play outside Melbourne, so it's a bit of a moot point. But I think, I've got to say, finding it, just to that end, yep. I think this is a flag, and I put this out on Twitter and everyone said, oh, so like last year's, I think more than ever, um, this year's flag might be about who plays where in the finals. I think the venues are going to be crucial.
1: Just want to comment on GWS's Less talked about players. Yeah. I mean, we know, you know, Cornelio and Ward, Shield, they are week in, week outs. Zach Langdon, look, he was vital. He kicked goals early when the ball necessarily wasn't flooding down to the GWS end. And he's a good, tough, small forward. Gives them a bit of bite and a bit of hurry up in their forward line. Finn Layson's a good player as well because he has to go into the ruck on occasions, Adam Finlayson, and given they really are reticent to put Rory Lobb in the rug because he's sort of his fragility. Mm. Dawson Simpson's the battering ram and Finlayson's important. So they've got players that are less talked about but are pretty important footballers.
0: OK, I'll ask again. Can they possibly win the flag? No. No, I don't think they can either. Why don't I think they can win the flag? I just don't think they've got that Dependability against every other rival in that top echelon. I think they can keep it up for a couple of weeks. I don't think they can keep it up for an entire final series from the bottom half of the eight and playing away from home.
1: Yeah, I think there are just
0: holes in their lineup. So, you, um, what about the Tigers? Are you any uh, less bullish about them given another defeat on the road?
1: No, because I know it's Tour de France time, so I'll speak in terms of the peloton. The Peloton keep shuffling their positions. If I really believe that there was a team out there making a sustained, impressive run at Richmond, I would say that they could be under pressure. Mm -hmm. But to me, it remains Richmond and
0: a a chasing group that each week changes. Yeah, we seem to uh, sort of equivocate about who the the closest to them is every week. Uh, Quickly, Mark Chapman says, Castagna, like brightest in the 77 grand final, keep kicking behind. Well, not quite. That was seven behinds in that game, aren't he? I think he straightened up and kicked 5-1 in the uh, replay, maybe, maybe 5 or 6. Yeah, we've good, got it right when it counted. Good news for Castagna next week, which is bad news for St Kilda. Yeah. All right, let's move on. there, our feature games, but uh, we're still going to talk about all the rest because uh, some important results among them as well. Going back to Thursday night now in Adelaide and the Crows. Well, it was definitely last chance saloon for them. Kept those flickering embers of finals hopes alive with a good win over Geelong. 16-16, 112 to the Cats. 14-13, 97. Great game from Tom Lynch with four goals. Murphy, pretty important as a small forward with three. Um, Atkins was good for him. Rory Sloan was good. Crouch, so the midfield really stood up. The Cats, Tom Hawkins was terrific for them, but I thought he was a bit of a lone hand up forward. Um, How about the lack of assistance from Menzel? Well, he he was just really, really underdone and and remains underdone. We're going to get to that in hot or not, too. Um, Yeah, they worry me, the Cats. I I reckon they, uh, I don't think they've got a high enough gear to, to beat the likes of Richmond or even West Coast when it counts.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to touch on it in hot or not, but the fall away is quite dramatic in their 22. I'll leave that to you. For most of the night, it was the Rory story. Mm. Atkins, yeah. great return game. Lead yeah. just punches out forty plus possessions, no worries. Yeah. And Sloan talk about <laughs> how much do they
0: love him? They're now singing it in the crowd. Five more, and well, it was a good. Uh, it was a good motivational re-signing. That it was. I've, I've never yeah. seen a guy re-sign and have that big an impact on not just the whole club but the fan base. It was good to see actually. So. Look, uh, odds are against them, aren't they? I mean, they're what? Uh, they're 11th spot, they're a game out, and they are 21% adrift of yeah, yeah. the Cats. So you'd you think not. Um, Where's your head at Taylor Walker, by the way? Why? What's he done now? Well,
1: he got a week for that rough play, oh, Is yeah. that two in the first quarter. Right? Yeah. Sort of angry. You know, angry young
0: man sometimes. Yeah, well, guys like you get into him the moment he plays a bad game about showing more leadership as he was trying to set the example. But look, they'll be really frustrated by this season because injuries have been the number one thing bringing him undone. Uh, Craig Williams, thanks Craig, says Crows won't make the eight, but they will shape it. They certainly will. I don't think there'll be many cases of a side finishing outside the finals that is as well credentialed as they are. And for what it's worth, I reckon they'll bounce back very hard next year as well i wonder which craig williams that is Well, how many do you know
1: well i do know one and he played a few games for st kilda back in the 70s no, didn't and, everyone and he, uh, <laughs> no, he, he lives around um garden Gardenvale area. area okay. well you know, hello craig if that's you and if it's not you hello craig and let me tell you he, he was um he was actually quite a spectacular footballer in a very short burst
0: okay um that was good. Everyone used to be able to say I played a couple of games to St. St Kilda in the late of, 70s. Till the encyclopedia. encyclopedia came in. All right, let's, speaking of uh, St Kilda, let's move on to Friday night. And the Saints, boy, do they do a job on the, at the moment, hapless Carlton. 1620, 116, defeated the Blues, seven ten fifty two. 52 It was just a shellacking after halftime. Eight goals to two. Blues didn't really look like... Um, Kicking too many after halftime. Andrew Philpott asked, how bad was that game on Friday night? Andrew, it was a stinker, as it was probably likely always going to be 15th against 18th. Um, not much. Even the Channel 7 commentators struggled to uh, reach their usual levels of hyperbole finding. But you're a Saints fan. You would have been pretty happy with it. Well, you know what, St Kilda? Gee,
1: I just can't. Put into words how a sixty-four point win against a f- another team in the AFL could feel quite flat, but it really did. I mean, normally I'd sort of um, I'd, I'd rail against a comment like that SMS that we got. What a stinker of a game! Because I'd say, you know, St Kilda's won by eleven goals, don't... but they never got going. St Kilda, they never to me looked very cohesive, and I wasn't taken by the way St Kilda played at all. Look, they kicked sixteen twenty. They had five posters, more posters than a teenage girl's bedroom. So it could have been a 100-point loss, and they still never got going. Carlton, uh, look, they lost Cruiser early, yeah, which made it easy pickings for Hickey and Marshall, who had a good game.
0: Yeah, he was good. He was impressive. I, lo- I liked Phillips, too. I thought he looked OK.
1: Yeah, fair. But, but I don't know. I just think, Mr. Philpot, you are correct. That game never hit the mm. heights, and that says something about... Carlton and I fear for them for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah look they what I, all I was going to say about the Blues was and again you know seeing plenty of comments along the lines of effort. Where's the effort? I don't think it's about effort. I think their confidence is absolutely shot to ribbons and I think the younger guys in that side have lost any semblance of self-belief and when that happens it can actually look like you're not having a crack. I think they're having a crack but they're just totally out on the ground at the moment. Totally directionless. I don't think it's I don't think this rebuild is a lost cause for the Blues, and we can expand on that at a later date.
1: Rowan, I saw a player on Friday night for the first three quarters have the worst game of football I have seen in decades. Who was it? And he's played, I reckon, over 100 games, but his first game for Carlton, Matt Shaw. Oh,
0: yeah, he was terrible.
1: He was. He was. Uh, he sort of got the tempo a bit in the last quarter, and, yeah. and I hope it's a tempo thing, because he shouldn't have been out there for three quarters.
0: Yeah. Oh, we got one more. No, nah, we'll leave that one. We've got to move on. See those guys there moving there. Th- that that means we've got to hurry up. Sure. So let's hurry up. Let's go to Launceston on Saturday afternoon. Hawthorne and Brisbane upset of the one of the upsets of the season. This surely. Hang on. I yeah okay yeah go on. You tipped it. He did tip it. He he did tip it. We're not playing the audio. We're not no. going back to it. But he did tip them, and it was a very good tip. Fifteen eight ninety eight. Defeated the Hawks nine eleven sixty five. Cam Rain are really impressive, uh, looking more and more at home. Hipwood 3, mobile and dangerous for them again. I'll tell you what, no, no, I won't tell you what, because that's one of my hot or nots but a fantastic win for them. I don't think, had they? I'm pretty sure they hadn't won down there previously. No, yeah, probably not. But that's uh, three wins in a row for the Lions, isn't it? So they're going great guns. And uh, I'll tell you what, if Hawthorne don't end up making the 8, that could well be the game they look back on and say, uh, we shot ourselves in the foot.
1: See, they miss McAvoy. Yeah, you know, Stephen Martin gave first service most of the afternoon to yeah. Beams and to other players. He's good player, Beams. Well, Segway isn't incapable. No, right? but Martin's very good. Yeah, and, and he needs to be bodied off the ball. You know, I mean, McAvoy's really good at putting his frame where the opposition ruckman want to be. Mm. Um, I'm going to talk about Cam Rainer in hot or not, and I'll. You've got to he dips your lid to. A former Geelong player who's hardly fashionable, Walker. Josh Walker. Yeah, wasn't he good? Yeah, he was in one-on-one contests in the last quarter on head and yeah. important intercept marks. So from the youngest player in the team to a, a bloke that looks like an old geezer sometimes, they he does.
0: Hope. And he, he, I don't know, playing in that Guernsey probably doesn't help either. He, he's about as unfashionable-looking a player yeah. as is possible. Yeah, I agree. I think. Uh, Is Cam Rayner a Brownlow medalist in the making? He's certainly not a Brownie uh, medalist in the making. A bit early to say that, but he's... uh... Well,
1: save it for Hot or Not. There's another
0: medal I've got him down for. All right, let's move on. Uh, Saturday Twilight and the Demons struggling early. And this has become a story of the Western Bulldogs, season, Competitive for a half and then just... uh, I won't say wave the white flag, but uncompetitive thereafter. Final scores, 18-11, 119 the Demons defeat the Bulldogs, 10-9, 69. Seven goals between the two key forwards, so Hogan and McDonald. Hogan and McDonald. No Schultz, unfortunately. Um, Max Gorn, one of the great individual ruck games of this season. Absolutely outstanding, uh, particularly in that third quarter burst. They kicked. I put the timer up. They kicked seven goals in 12 and a half Did minutes Did you
1: see that ruck work?
0: Yeah, he was great. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. it wasn't... I'll tell you what, he wasn't up against much. Jordan Roughhead's really struggling. Um, I like that Jordan, might be That might be my hot or nots oh, as sorry, well. Oh, sorry, But No,
1: that's okay, but Braveshaw, mm, gee, he's a good kid, isn't yeah, he?
0: Yeah, yeah. Great game. Yep. I like that little touch, the... Uh, low five with Ray Chamberlain. Oh, I'm now, didn't give it deliberate. He won't get pinged for that. No, he won't get pinged for it. But If he gets pinged for that, I'm giving up football. Seriously, you cannot fine him for that. Well, hang on. By the
1: way, because it was... A, if people, if you didn't see it, a complete miskick, and Chamberlain read it correctly, it wasn't intentional, but it was not the miskick of the round. Well, Did you see the kick the by Ed Phillips that was marked by Tom Hickey in the Carlton St Kilda game. It was the worst <coughs> slew off the side of the boot without um, Under no pressure, he
0: barely kicked I the ball. I might have been asleep by then. Any, anyhow, but Brayshaw got a free kick straight after that. I did? From Ray. Okay, well, you can read conspiracies into that. Um, I thought it was it was a second half the Demons needed, so 12 goals to four in the second half. They've just piled it on. Yep. When they lock onto the task and get the... Hard stuff right. Gee, they've got a great attacking upside. I mean, they I, I don't reckon there's many sides that can put on a burst of goals the way they can. Seven in 12 and a half minutes. Yep. The problem for them is going to be being able to grind it out and then attack in equal measures. And I think sometimes that balance skews too far in terms of attack. But good good sign from them. And what they're, what, sixth on, on the ladder now. Only a game outside top four. I reckon they'd need a top four chance to be... Uh, a chance of progressing further. I just can't... I can't
1: imagine how they lost to St Kilda a couple of weeks ago. You
0: know, they, well, they that's ca- that sort of thing they do. I'm that's what they've they got to get rid aff- of.
1: They can't afford these, <clears throat> these blind spots. No,
0: absolutely. All right, let's move on. Um, yeah, this game could be done and dusted reasonably quickly, I think. Essendon, 13-17, Defeated Gold Coast, 6-15, 51. And Gold Coast, familiar theme for the Suns as well. Good for a half. In fact, they wed by five points at halftime. Blew a few could, They chances. could have been further ahead. Well, they were 4-11 at yeah. halftime. Uh, two goals for the second half. In fact, goalless in the third quarter. And, gee, they've had a few goalless quarters this year. And the Bombers certainly played a lot better in the second half. But, uh, again, a 44-point win, which I reckon most Essendon fans would have found pretty uninspiring. Good points out of it. Uh, Mark Bagley's been great as a defensive forward all year. Can I say it? Go on. Langford was really good. The Langford. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
1: know that you really like yeah, him. I love him. But he, I, I, So I kept an eye on him. Yeah. I watched the game in full
0: in replay. Yeah. He started slowly, but his second half was terrific. His <laughs> strong body. I think he's getting better at uh, tackling, winning the contestable. His disposal. In a side that is uh, prone to... Um, the odd clangor. His disposal is terrific, and that's his nickname uh, now, funny the Langford. Is that a hotel? Yeah, It is, but it's also you know it's like isn't there a character in Scrubs called the the Chad? He, anyway, he's is that is the the Langford. from Will. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's a better player than Will, I reckon, or <laughs> will be. Um, all right, yeah. Anyway, they got the job done. They're still mathematically in the finals race. I don't think they'll make it. They've got a few too many tough games in the run home. Can I ask you a question? You can.
1: Was there 13,000 people at that game?
0: Well, 13,061 according to the official stats.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Cause didn't I, see them? I didn't see them in, in the crowd
0: shots. <laughs> All right. Now, speaking about ordinary halves of football, we'll finish off the wraparound with the final game in the round. Ended up okay. Didn't start that way. The halftime score in the Fremantle-Port Adelaide game, Fremantle one goal seven, Port Adelaide two goals three. Does a half a footy come much worse than that? And the answer surely is no. However, it improved after that, seven goals to five, and a costly defeat for Port. Frio showing their want to play like absolute rubbish for a couple of weeks and then turn on a pretty competitive performance. And this may cost Port. I reckon Port to be a flag chance, which I think they definitely are, if they get a top four spot. This has knocked them out of the top four. They are now fifth as a result of that loss.
1: Some afternoons you just know aren't gonna go your way and I reckon Ken Hinckley would have sat back there, seen <coughs> Paddy Ryder go off with a thigh injury or upper leg injury. Yeah. And then uh, it's
0: that very important to point that out, yeah. And then Robbie Gray knocked out. And I then
1: Ryan Nyhoos clattering into Robbie Gray or yeah. vice versa, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. Or fair, in Love and War. Except Robbie Gray never came back on. And you just get a feeling you're a, a fair way from home and things aren't going to go your way. They came at them in the end and probably had a couple of shots of gold. Ebert had a Ebert shot out from Ebert in the out. full.
0: Uh, Lindsay Thomas, I think, out in the yeah, full. So yeah. they were still a sneaky chance yeah. at that stage. You've got to nail those goals. Yeah. Ebert
1: was 15 metres out on a tight angle and kicked it 30 metres out on the full. I'll
0: tell you what's interesting about that game. Though. Have a look at the stats. Wines 30, so a big comeback from him after last week getting tagged out by Steele. Hi, jane. Uh, Powell Pepper 28 Pollock 26 Rockcliffe 25 Wingard 24 So they've had plenty of the ball The inside 50s 39 to 58 You are not going to win too many games with 39 inside 50s So uh, that could be a costly loss to the power Fremantle So they play pretty well this week That means don't tip them the next two weeks fine Particularly if they're on the road (laughs) If uh, if their uh, form of this year is continued All right. nine games done Nine games dusted Oh, hang on, we may have a late... Uh, I was at Metricon, 13,000 was correct, I think, says Brendan Howard, who actually works in the offices of the Gold Coast Football Club. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, fair enough. Okay. You
1: know I, I do know this about Metricon. Why? That there is a lot of um, socialising and a lot of great food and that... In the sort of underneath, in yeah, the, yeah, in the under section, and the
0: marquees and stuff. Correct. Yeah.
1: I've got a feeling that a lot of people. What enjoy is that, but...
0: that? reminds me of the Brisbane Bears days. Yeah, Ruben Powell doesn't. Out of it? sight, out All of mind. Or the Scacy days, and they used to get the lunches shipped up from Melbourne, prepared by celebrity caterer Roland Perry or whatever his name was. Ah, <laughs> uh, those were the days. All right, that's it for the wrap around Time to move on now to hot or not.
1: You I, told you I, was go- that. I <laughs> told you I was going to do that every
0: week. I hear an electric guitar going off. I go off, finey. I actually got my son David uh, with us tonight. And, uh, he's just done a cringe that you would not believe. Yeah, well, that's on um... Dad. You wait until you're an embarrassing parent son. Okay, let's get into it. I'm going to kick us off with a hot to begin with, and it's a collective hot, and it goes to Brisbane, finey. We've sung their praises before, but let's sing them again. Are they the best 4-12 team in AFL history? I would venture almost certainly yes. And the reason is this. They've now won three in a row, but it's not just that. They have been competitive throughout the entirety of this season. Nine of their 12 losses have been by thirty under 30 points. That's about as competitive as you can get without winning games. I think they've shown... Consistent improvement. I think the kids individually show consistent improvement. Right off the top of my head, I wrote down a whole collection of them. Hipwood, Witherden, Rayner, Berry, McLuggage, Matheson, McInerney. Plenty more where that uh, where that came from too. And this was a, a victory one without Luke Hodge on the park. Uh, they are really going places this um, side. And I think they're brilliantly coached by Chris Fagan. He's done a fantastic job in charge of that whole playing group. They love him. You can tell um, there's a real zest about the way they play their footy now because they can see the results coming. I love watching them and all power to them. I think they're going to be a force with him in the next two to three years. And let's not forget,
1: arguably, their best player until three weeks ago, the Sydney department store, Harris Andrews, mm. isn't playing either. Yeah. So I ask you this. If the last three weeks were the first three weeks of the season, do you think they could have parlayed that into a serious shot at the eight? Because I think it was only a bit of confidence and self-belief that cost them some of those games.
0: Yeah, I reckon they they could have, yeah. Um, So, you know, look, starting slowly has been a bit of a habitual flaw for them, but uh, maturity will fix that. I, I think they've got big things ahead of them. All right, you're up.
1: I will start with a pretty obvious hot. You touched on it. 900th goal today for Lance Budworthy-Franklin. And he kicked it with his first goal in the third quarter. just happened to kick two key goals in the last quarter, including one of those trademark swing-back, swing-arounds from 50 metres out that very few others can kick to win them the game. 900 goals, and on the TV they brought up the graphic of others who have scaled those lofty heights... Uh, look, I didn't count them, but they are Lockett, Coventry, Dunstall, mm.
0: Ablett, yeah. Titus, yeah. and Doug Wade. We've only got 3,000 goal kickers, haven't we? Coventry, Lockett, Ablett. Oh, Dunstall. Dunstall, did he get 1,000? Yes, he did.
1: yes is, he did. So there's four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And Doug Wade also up in there. Now, um, oh, yeah, Doug Wade
0: got 1,000. So. Uh,
1: of, of all of those players, Ablett played some football away from full forward, but he certainly played at full forward for
0: sustained stretches. Probably the second... Yeah, I reckon he probably played more footy away from there than there, so it makes that achievement even more remarkable, really.
1: All the others were full forwards? Yeah.
0: But he's never been a full forward. No, that's true.
1: 900 goals without ever playing at full forward.
0: Yeah. No, he's a freak. Um, I must say, I I was one of the people who not slow to come around. I thought... It might have been one of those overhyped things, but in over the last, I don't know, five, six years, I mean, yeah, he's an absolute freak. Yep, last player to kick a tonne, last player
1: to really, you know, tear the life out of games, the 13 against North Melbourne. 13! Thanks, Hunter. Um, not the last player to do kick a double figure amount, but I'm just saying. Is he the last of the Mohicans,
0: the last great, attractive forward? Well, we just pray not, don't we? But you may be right, sadly. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, A notch for me, and again, we touched on this before, Geelong's bottom six. Now, I'm not isolating this to particular individuals because I think their bottom six can vary from week to week. However, the principle remains the same. Whichever 22 they put on the park, I always think that it tails off pretty significantly now in the case of Thursday night I would have said the top six included the likes of Dan Menzel, which it never should but he was horribly underdone I thought uh, you're also talking about some real experienced players in the likes of Cam Guthrie who had a Barry Crocker I think even he would admit that Reece Stanley dodgy conveyance I think if you're trying to win a, a premiership and then you you might throw in some kids too um, Sam Simpson for example Jermaine Jones, Wiley Buzzer had a night where he just he couldn't hold a mark, and they really needed him to. Um, I go back to the finals last year, the final they lost to Richmond, where Zach Guthrie I thought looked, you know, just sort of short of the mark at that stage of his career. Other clubs might have one or two of these. I think Geelong seems to have more of them, and it's why I've got reservations about them. I just think there's always that bottom few in the lineup that find them out when it comes to beating the absolute best.
1: I mean, you look at that team. Can you imagine Reese Stanley winning on Grand Final Day? No.
0: Unless he's in the sprint. Very good. Very
1: good. <laughs> that's the what we used to say. There. No, but that's what we used to say at Kilda. <laughs> We're only going to win with Reese on Grand Final Day if it's a foot race. Off the SNS, Ralphie Muggs said his own little hot or not. Crow's hot power's not. That's a week-to-week Well, thing, this mate.
0: week, yeah. this week. You yeah. wouldn't have been able to say that too often this season, so enjoy it while, while it is the case. Um, all right, uh, on to you. Not hot Bulldogs lack of and lack of respect of the ruck.
1: Now, haven't we really seen this year that a dominant ruckman is a major player in, in AFL football?
0: Absolutely, we
1: have. Max Gorn, as we pointed out, gave a rucking-class... Par excellence in the third quarter. It sent um, our great friend Sandy Roberts into fits of apoplexy. He couldn't
0: find the words to describe it. I know, we're starting to run out of hype a bit uh, in footy calling, aren't we? But, you know, you know, the Bulldogs have not had a player
1: in an emergency this week. They haven't played him this year. They only played him a few times last year, and I'm telling you, I watched him closely last season. In the four or five games he played, he was barely ever bested. In fact, he reminds me a bit of Jared Witts, an underrated but dogged ruckman by the name of Tom Campbell. He can't get a game, but the misfiring, mistiming roughhead Mm. seems to be allowed to go up after ruck contest after ruck contest in the middle. Well, He I, reminds me of one of those glass elevators in, in a department store. You know, they're always out of sync. There's the ball, there's Roughhead. That, rough, that can happen to Ruffman when they're head, out of confidence. Well, play Tom Campbell.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's a fair point. I think the, um, the issue with Jordan is, and I know Jordan and I like Jordan a lot, I, I think the issue is that um, the memory of what he did in that final series in 2016 where he was immense. And w- when you see that, On the biggest stage, I think there's always that thing in your back of your mind. Maybe it's just a game away from turning for him. So I understand why. And look, I I just hope he can recapture that form and confidence because at his best, we know he's very capable.
1: Yeah, at the moment, and I just feel that you know Mm -hmm. that I'm always a bit dubious about bulldog selection, Mm -hmm. and I just think they've never shown a great deal of respect for the ruck. Scenario. Mm. There's something can be said for Richmond in a way because Curvis is hardly a tap ruckman.
0: Well, I showed a bit of faith in English earlier in the
1: year. Yeah, I think that. I think right. that was. I think that was Plan A, and Plan B ain't working, so it's time yeah. to try C or D.
0: No, fair enough. Uh, all right, my final one is a hot. Speaking of Bulldogs, former Bulldog in this case, but Ryan Griffin. Um, I think a lot of people thought he was probably just about done and dusted. He only played three games last year. I think he had two. Yeah separate ankle injuries, which were really serious. You would have looked at the birth certificate, 31 years old, and thought, nah. But he has done, in is starting to do in recent weeks what I think Brett Deledio was doing at the start of the year till he got injured again. I think he's been really good for him. The, a big turning point for his season, and indeed the Giants, and I don't think the two things are coincidental, the Round 11 game against Adelaide. He had uh, 22 and kicked three goals that night, That has kick-started him uh, maybe in terms of confidence, but his form since then has been pretty consistent. He's sort of consistently getting 20-plus disposals now. People that remember his best with the Bulldogs will know what great penetration he can have with his kicking. He's a a decent goal kicker too, which is a a really handy quality for a midfielder to have. Um, And I just think as the Giants are starting to play better football... um, a better football, he's a big part of that. So, you know, I reckon if they are to make it, he could come in very, very handy for them the longer of his so's and goes.
1: He's composed, isn't he? I think yeah. at his best of the Bulldogs, he was a dashing line breaker. We're not going to see that again. No. But he reads it, he's composed and he does slot good goals and he also, he's got that good vision of, of being able to hit a man, make the right choice between the shot at goal or Manning up, uh, you know, hitting the next man down the line. I agree. I think that's a good call. All right, finishes off. Uh, just off our
0: SMS, we were speaking about Maxi Gordon. Can yeah. he win the Brownlow? That's a great question from David Brentnell. Uh It is, um, no. And I'm not because he wouldn't deserve to. I just think it is a midfielder's medal. And uh, who was the last Ruckman to win it? Uh, Scott Wine, 1992. Jimmy yeah. Steins in 91. Scott Wine, 92. Adam Goods in 03 when he was one of three winners spent a, than little, than yeah, a little bit yeah. of time in the Ruck, but not much. Nah. Um, it would be great to see a Ruckman winner. I just don't think he can. Go on, last yeah, one. Yeah, you
1: he know, used to be sort of a Ruckman's award almost. Yeah, it was. There was, there was a time. What happened know, there? Moss, Tuesday etc, etc. You know what? It's an indictment on the voting system if he's, I think, quite rightly dismissed. Because he, he really should... He's, close to the most effective best player in the comps. Why yep. right, shouldn't he? A very quick one to finish, speaking of medals, Cam Rayner. We've touched on him, him, on him already. Look, I heard a comment today <clears throat> at the MCG suggesting that Stevenson of Collingwood was the front runner for the Rising Star. Not in my estimation. Rayner for you?
0: Yeah. I like him. i just trying to think who... The I, other just,
1: I just think he's looked good and he's getting better and better. It's a funny award. Is, is it the award given on the body of work for the year? Or is it on the potential shown through the year to
0: be a champion going forward? Well, I know what it's what it should be, but but it's a mix of it. So you reckon Stevenson's more on what he could be than what he's actually done?
1: No, no. Stevenson's body of work has probably been better than Rayner. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Rayner's going to end up the better footballer. He's a number one pick. I mean, yeah. He's a...
0: Well, Stevenson was number six pick. Yeah.
1: I'm saying, but this kid's a star. Rainer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, he is. He is. And uh, you know, the I think we'll get tired of hearing the Dusty Martin comparisons with him um, he's got got the fend off going now
1: and so. he's got that sort of I'll do it arrogance yeah. that is the mark of a modern day champ
0: alright good stuff there's our hot or not uh, did you agree with those is there someone we overlooked let us know fire a, a comment on the Facebook page there and we'll have a look at it uh, but time now fine oh, oh. no no hang on a sec alright
1: hit, so, so, hit me so, no I don't need to hit, Just me. hit me why to make you act better yeah
0: Go on. That's not where David I hit David, hit you. me. Hit him. Hit your dad. I not even get my son to hit me. That's it. Ow. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a hit. You know what time it is. It's time, Fanny, for the okay. Rant Off. <laughs> right. Don't start it now. I've got a good one this week, Fanny. I just okay. need you to count me in and leave me to it. Have you ever... Had an acting role on TV? No, but I'm I'm, 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 I'm available. Talk to my agent. (laughs) Okay. Um, Three, two, and your best. I'm pissed off about alternative strips, Finey. Look, I know it's been going on a while now, but I'm starting to think some of these clubs are just taking the piss. What exactly is that dirty grey number Carlton ran out in on Friday night? I mean, the reverse strip in white is one thing, but what actually is the point of throwing it in with the coloureds? With a handful of people unable to distinguish between the red, white and black of St Kilda and navy blue of Carlton, then not able to work out the difference between black and white? Does the off-white thing make any difference? Is not having the club colours of navy blue and white not good enough? Or is it some sort of symbolic statement on where the blues have been at for most of the last two decades? Grey, grey, grey. Either way, I'm here to tell you it looks like crap. Then we had that Hawthorne pink and brown number in Launceston on Saturday. Okay, I get it. It's a cancer initiative in Tasmania. That really is a worthwhile cause. But making all your fans and viewers feel queasy just looking at you isn't a worthwhile cause. Those pink and brown stripes said just one thing, funny: Licorice. You know those combination things you get at Daryl Lee and got stuck with once all the chocolate had run out? Yeah, those ones. They must have turned the Hawthorne players off as well, because they sure as hell weren't going too near any of their teammates in the second half down there on Saturday. This whole clash strip thing is complete rubbish, you know that. We never had an issue for the first 120 odd years of football, now it's all over the shop. Half the time the clash strips cause more confusion, not less, and if it's not that, it's like the clubs have started up their own worst-dress competition. I thought that Harlequin number Hawthorne world out in the mid-90s could be hard to top, but these days that looks conservative. Throw in the infamous Power Ranger get up of a few years ago and this licorice, all sorts, strip of monstrosity, and the horse could start their own costume store. I've got a radical suggestion to fix this once and for all, Finey. Look, I know it's pushing the envelope, but perhaps we could have the home side wear dark shorts and the away team wear white. I don't know why we haven't tried that before. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I agree with you. How about, oh, look, I know I did. I, before any I don't mind. In, that. I, don't, I know Noah it was I like a kangaroo issue. Yeah, yeah, oh that. yuck! No, but no, that
1: no. Carlton number. What was the f- point of it? But I reckon. It, I reckon <laughs> it makes them look. It, no wonder they struggle. They have got a lot of undersized players. Zach Fisher, Paulson, Lockie, O'Brien makes them look small. It
0: makes, them, it makes them look poncy. <laughs> they, they've got fake pockets in the yeah, back. No, no, they're not fake pockets. I've asked Mark Murphy about this. <laughs> they are chamois patches to dry their hands on. <laughs> they are. I think other clubs have got them too. In fact, I could be, I could be wrong here, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Geelong actually has contoured chamois patches as well, which actually have glittery bits in them. I'm pretty sure that if... Um, I reckon I've lost... A
1: wallet and a mobile phone with fake pockets in the back. The-
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the old Amco Peaches. Yeah, Remember the yeah. the twenty eight copper rivets and the five five different pockets? Those were the days fighting. You Used to rip or, or Levi's where you used to oh, you rip tag. Some, yeah, yeah, you yeah, tag somebody's the, Levi's. Yeah, tag. Um Jesus we'll showed our age. We but you know time. what's
1: a real problem for me is GWS's jumper I reckon clashes with a lot of teams. When they play Sydney for oh, yeah, everyone lines, wears charcoal. But no, from behind, <laughs> but from behind it's they're, they're all clash I, mean, I just think they clash a lot. And quite frankly, the simple rule
0: that I had begged the AFL to follow is being ignored. I know what it is. Yep. Uh, if your nana can't w- w- knit it, it's not a proper football jersey. Correct. Job, <laughs> no, but, but these eagles and swoops and well, swoop. oh, the a- worst one of them was the the Eagles circa two thousand and one. The Ken Kendo, the one that Ken Doan threw. The up orangey. On. Yeah, the ochre. Yeah, yeah. ochre. Yeah. I'm am t- charcoal. I'm sorry, Giants. Charcoal is not a football colour. But you know and that grey certainly is. You know that's why they
1: haven't made a grand final. Why?
0: Because they because they got charcoal.
1: Well, their colors really a sort of charcoal and ochre. Mm. Try finding those balloons for,
0: yeah, a, for your pub. That's a good you know. point. You know, and all the pubs that have to have... Mark Chapman has weighed in the... Remember the M&M Blues? Who could forget? Well, that sort of started it, yeah, man, didn't it? Yeah, back in... Uh, Luke Sullivan, I think, played his 50th game wearing the baby blue uh, get-up.
1: You know, I waited years for St Kilda to have a great win at Princess Park. Mm. We did it wearing a
0: purer milk top. Oh, and they had them in yellow too, the Saints. Well, that's what, it was in yellow and... But then, even, what about the year you made the grand final in 97? Well, the cru, 70 the Crusader. The, the Joan of Arc yeah, the Crusader, Crusader. Cave. Yeah, yeah. Alright, okay, we, we digress. No, no, it's a, it's, it's a good point. Alright, three, two, one, rant. Speak about complaining about St Kilda,
1: it's time for me to complain about St Kilda. You know, if St Kilda had the choice between a 1957 Edsel and a Lamborghini, then start piling into the Edsel. If it was a choice between Get Smart or Hey Dad, St Kilda would choose reruns of Hey Dad. And I have evidence to back up St Kilda's inability to make the right choice over and over again. And it's really not father and son. I mean, that's fairly simple. You either have a father and son or you don't. St Kilda's only ever had two. Sarakowski and now Bailey Rice. It's about the opportunity to Learn from a valued member of your club when there's a brother or a cousin coming up that you might want to pick in the draft. So, when Nick Rewalt begged the club to take cousin Jack in the year he was available to be drafted, St Kilda had a pick. They went past Jack Rewalt. They picked up David Armitage. No knock on Armo, but wouldn't you like Jack Rewalt, St Kilda? When Nick Del Sando said that he had a talented cousin, a really talented first cousin by the name of Marcus Bontempelli, the club said, It doesn't sound like your cousin. We'll take Jack Billings. St Kilda picked uh, Paddy McCartan with pick number one. They could have got the better McCartan brother with pick number 137 because Tommy's going pretty well. When Danny Frawley, much loved captain of the club, said, I've got a spud. St Kilda said, no, we're not interested. Well, James has had a a pretty good career. And even recently, when a name like Narkel popped up that was so popular at St Kilda back in the 90s and late 80s, St Kilda said, Quentin Narkel? No, doesn't sound like somebody we'd be interested in. But that's not to say St Kilda doesn't take a a cousin or a brother. Oh, yeah. Nicky Winmar had a cousin called Nicholas Winmar. He couldn't play backgammon with a pair of dice and a board. But they gave him two seasons or three down at Moorabbin. or well, at least Seaford. Couple of senior games, no good. Xavier Clark's brother, Rath Clark, was an essential must have for Grant Thomas, and I can tell you he overruled Mr John Beveridge, who desperately wanted Bo Waters. Might have made the difference in a couple of finals campaigns. Robert Harvey's little brother, Anthony Harvey, was little. He was five foot two. But St Kilda had to have him. We do love a cousin, just the wrong cousin. So Brendan Goddard's cousin, Hugh, is on St Kilda's list. Just hasn't had a game for two years and probably won't get another one. We picked the wrong Malera. And I'm not even sure that Ed Phillips is the right Phillips, given how well Tom's going. Takes me back to the 80s, my friend. You know in the 80s, St Kilda picked up Fitzpatrick and Buckley from Carlton? Not Mike Fitzpatrick and the great Jimmy Buckley. A halfback flanker called Peter Fitzpatrick and a no-hope, a half-forward flanker called Mark Buckley. But we took the cake when we got ropes from Richmond. Stephen, I couldn't get a kick ropes, not Michael. St Kilda, you know how to pull the wrong friggin' reins. <laughs>
0: Wow, you've spent a few uh, eras there, haven't you? Yeah. Mark Buckley, he was the redhead guy, yeah, wasn't he? Captain Snooze. He yeah. looked
1: like the guy from, you
0: know. Um, yeah. Oh, we've got one uh, from Chris Young saying, a disgraceful racist tweet today, Rowan. What did you tweet? I'll tell you what I tweeted. <gasps> what Has do I to got finish? my phone handy. Okay, this is what I tweeted. If uh, you are joking, Mark, I uh, take this all back. If you're not, huh? Chris, sorry. If you're not joking, I'm going to prove publicly in front of our entire audience what a cretin you are. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit back for this. Well, last week you may remember I did my rant about Channel 7's beat up on African gangs. And uh, I was quite vocal about that. And if anyone had bothered to watch that, they would have been left in absolutely no doubt what my feelings were on the insidious beating up of racist angles on African gangs. So today I noticed that Magic Door was playing on Aaliyah Aliyah in the goal Square at Etihad Stadium and I thought here's a chance to make the point again via a bit of sarcasm. What I subsequently became aware of was that to a lot of dunderheads who are on social media and hopefully you're not one of them Chris, you actually have to explain what sarcasm is. So here's the uh, tweet I sent out finally. Just bear with me and I'll read it out now. Uh, Maybe St Kilda just can't develop players. You can attend to that one while I'm finding it. Well, you can't develop Jack Rewalt, Marcus Bontempelli. Or Tom McCartan when they're in other clubs. Okay, I've found the tweet now. This has now had 974 likes, so I'm tipping there's not that many racists who follow me, so presumably they actually got it. My tweet read, Hey Channel 7, look out. There's a gang of imposing-looking African men hanging around the goal square at Etihad Stadium, right under your noses. Better get the Sunday night current affairs team down there pronto. Do you think the sarcasm is fairly implicit in that tweet, Mark, knowing oh, me as that's you a, do? That's actually a good tweet.
1: Now, I can say this about Rowan Connolly. He was brought up a communist. He's an Essendonist. And at times,
0: he's a bit of a curmudgeon. But he's no racist. Oh, I know I'm no racist. So, Chris, if you do think I'm a racist, there's one thing you can do, mate. F R Oh, and anyone who follows me on social media, Thawney, will be very familiar with what acronym that is. Are we done? Thanks for pointing that out. I really needed firing up at the end of the show. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. It's been a good weekend of footy. hope you enjoyed it, everyone. hope you enjoyed it too, Mark. Thank you to Tom, Andrew, Craig and David for their help. And may your football be good football. A good night. I'm going to FRO.